How's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 281 of X Lapsed, where uh, the holiday weekend is just about over. As I record this, it is Sunday, uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and it uh, feels like it's been a minute or two since I've last bellied up to the microphone, and in fact, it has been <laughs> a minute or two. Uh, the last thing I recorded was uh, on Wednesday, so four days away from the mic. I think that might be the longest step away I've done since we started on the uh, X-Lapsed Endeavor. Uh, if you're listening along with the channel, you'll know that did things a little bit differently this holiday weekend. Uh, introduced a new concept or a new uh, pitch, I guess, a show pitch uh, called Weblapsed. Basically taking the X-Lapsed premise and uh, putting it on Spider-Man, which was another title that I've been away from for quite some time. Actually, I've been away from Spider-Man for almost a decade at this point. So uh, popping back in there with his new Beyond storyline. And uh, I definitely want to thank folks for the kind words about that project. I think you've all uh, convinced me to keep up with it. So uh, as soon as we're done with the X-Books for this month, or the you know current year X-Books, we'll uh, pop over and uh, wrap up. I think we have two issues of Amazing Spider-Man left for uh, the October books, November shows, which... We'll be dripping into December because DCBS didn't deliver until late, but yada, yada, yada. You guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, it might sound like I'm, uh, you know, killing time here. And yeah, yeah, I kind of am because, uh, well, this is a Monday episode. And Monday, well, half the time Mondays are X-Men Unlimited days. And boy... I'm not looking forward to talking about this. Uh, at this point, it almost feels like a uh, like a fulfillment of contract, <laughs> like a contract I made with myself. Uh, Got to talk about this book because, well, we've done it. We've done it up to this point, and if we stop now, it's going to make all those uh, previous episodes seem just like I wasted time. And I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, I still did waste time, but. Uh, I don't know, I can I can kind of make it work in my head here. We are going to be wrapping up X-Men Green today. For now. For now, yes. Uh, there is a threat that this uh, will be coming back. I sure hope not, but uh, hey, you know, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. Uh, now, without any further ado, let's, uh, let's get into it. This is basically going to be synopsis, and then, uh, well, do you really need me to tell you what I think about it afterwards? I mean, if you're listening along, this is the eighth time we're talking about X-Men Green, and I feel like I've been repeating myself uh, quite a bit. So if I ever get around to, like, compiling uh, this 
X-Men Green into its own little sideshow, like a, you know, a compilation or a collected edition. I, I, I want to apologize beforehand because it'll probably be the most repetitive and uh, unpleasant listen that I've ever been responsible for, and that's covering quite a lot of ground. Anyway, let's get into it here. This is X-Men Unlimited number 12. We're going to say November 2021 cover. Story is X-Men Green Part 8, The Trial of X-Men Green. Written by Jerry Duggan with art by Emilio Lazo. Colors, Rachel Rosenberg. Edits, Amaro, Biso, White, Sabolski. This appeared on the app November the 14th of 2021. Now we open on Krakoa, where Wolverine and Quentin Quire are leading X-Men Green into the Quiet Council's quarters. It's worth noting that Quentin isn't wearing his X-Force costume, which was, like, one of the primary focuses of his scenes in the pre-Hellfire Gala X-Force story arc. And, uh, and I mean, we're about to find out that this X-Men Green monstrosity happens after the Gala, so basically who knows where this fits in the grand scheme of things. Also, who cares? Uh, Maybe it's laundry day. I don't know. Anyway. Quentin expresses that he feels funny about this, considering as though he and Nature Girl are super tight from their time together in Generation X. And for listeners of the uh, Generation X Lapsed Sunday special series, you will undoubtedly remember all of those important and vital scenes between the two. As in all none of them. Anyway, he wishes Lynn luck, and he leaves. Wolverine then plops pink Lisa Simpson out of the sack he'd been carrying her in that was slung over his back... And Magneto asks for Nature Girl's plea. It's a trial. And, well, she says she's guilty. Now, Magneto, who certainly isn't going through a trial of his own at present, asks if she understands exactly what he's asking of her. As in, does she have anything to say in her own defense? She does not. You see, she killed a man, which is breaking one of Krakoa's laws. But... Then she asks a question that probably sounds really deep to, like, the 12 to 14-year-olds among us. And that is, do we not kill man with inaction? Ooh, uh, this is is awful, gang. Magneto reminds her that mutants now control Mars as well, so, you know, don't worry about Earth, basically. But Nature Girl ain't all about that. She says that the mutants may have Mars, but she is an Earther through and through. She recalls walking on Mars post-Gala and having an almost allergic reaction to it. Emma comments that Earth's ecosystem dying must have affected Nature Girl. Um, okay, uh, I may be a little dense. You know, I may be, yeah, my, my perception may be clouded. Maybe I just don't see things, but did Earth's ecosystem actually die and I somehow missed it? I, I thought a friggin' turtle choked on a plastic bag. I don't know. Wolverine and Nature Girl probably caused more damage to the planet themselves riding that carbon-spewing motorcycle through the desert, right? I mean, that thing was just spewing emissions. Anyway, Nightcrawler says that no matter what happens to Lynn, he will come find and comfort her. Well, Nature Girl doesn't dig that either. She says she's not looking for a furry shoulder to cry on, which is oddly specific. Now, all she wants is an apology. You know what? I'm sure the families of the people she killed and the owners of the factory she blew up would appreciate an apology as well. Anyway, the vote comes in and Lynn is found guilty. Yay! Well, not so fast, folks, because Krakoa itself hasn't yet chimed in. 
Now, you see, Krakoa is an Earther, too, and so it's a bit more sympathetic to Ling's cause. Cypher delivers this message, to which Emma's all like, Hey, Duggan Island, uh, none of us are happy about this situation, but laws are laws, and we gotta uphold the laws, right? Wolverine then asks Doug if Krakoa is gonna let their will be done. And so, Doug collects Freedom the Dog, as, you know, a poor innocent dog probably shouldn't be sent into, you know, the limbo hole. Then, the floor opens, and the vines come to snag Nature Girl and curse. All the while, Lynn rants about how she's right, and how this is a cause worth dying for, and yada yada yada, just shut the F up. Once the dust settles, Xavier expresses regret for how this all went down, but also clarifies that curse is pretty damn evil. Then we scroll in darkness for a few seconds before rejoining our heroes. Nature Girl is woken up by Freedom the Dog and is about to go on yet another rant, this time about the council sentencing a dog to the hole. But then Doug Ramsey appears to tell them that they've been paroled by Krakoa. Curse, asshole that she is, still thinks they're in the hole and complains that their punishment will be dying of boredom since Cypher is here with them. Comedy! Doug then walks these geeks out of a cave opening right by the water, where they're picked up by Pyro on the Marauder and taken somewhere to start new lives. You see, they're not being sentenced to the hole, but they can't stay on Krakoa either. Doug gives Lynn like a cane. He calls it a bespoke cudgel and says that it has a few surprises in it. And we wrap up with the most hateable characters in Marvel Comics history being dropped off in... Where else? Madripoor. You see, I hear that that's a lawless place. Also, as I mentioned earlier, we get the threat that X-Men Green will return. I really hope this one falls through the cracks, because I do not, do not want more of this. You know, I've said it before, I've read a lot of bad X-Men stories. I've been reading X-Men since uh, 1990 or so, so 30 years uh, of X-Men stories, and there was a lot of garbage in there. You know, I'm trying to think of something worse than this, because this is, without a doubt, the worst X-Men story I've ever subjected myself to. That might sound hyperbolic, but uh, I assure you, it's it's not. I don't think I've ever walked away from an X-Men story with such a bad taste in my mouth. And like I said, that covers a lot of ground. I mean, we had the entire Bendis run, which was not great. We had the Blue and Gold era that kicked off that made me actually leave the books. <laughs> you know? We've had such bad stuff. We had the, the 12, which fell apart. We had all the Liefeld returns to Cable and then popping him on Wolverine to totally derail those stories. We had X-Men Unlimited, the early X-Men Unlimited, which was filler garbage for the most part. We had the Claremont return. We had Mutant X. We had a lot of bad, bad X-Men comics. I mean, even on this very show, we covered Fallen Angels, X-Corp, some pretty rotten stuff. And I feel like I owe all of those books an apology because X-Men Green without a doubt, has the cursed chalice of being the uh, the most awful X-Men story uh, ever put to paper. I can't, I honestly can't think of anything worse. So, you might be asking yourself, what's next for X-Men Unlimited? Well, we know very little. We do get a coming attractions, uh, I guess it wouldn't be a page since it's uh, digital, but uh, 
we get a coming attractions promise that uh, Deadpool and Juggernaut will be starring in a story called Paradise Lost, which comes to us on December 6th. Not sure who's writing it or how long it'll run, but, you know, at this point, after eight chapters of X-Men Green, I think I'd much rather take 12 issues of Black Bolt of the Inhumans making faces while having impure thoughts about my mother than going through uh, any more X-Men Green. So, Juggernaut and Deadpool, come and wow me. I'm looking forward to it. Next up, it's Jeff, number 12, November 2021. This story is called Jeff's Giving, written by Kelly Thompson with art by Gurahiru. Edits Pile Go Wacker Sabolski. This appeared on the app November 24th of 2021. And this is our Thanksgiving special. And uh, it's going to end with some good news. And some bad news, but we'll get there. Now, it's Thanksgiving. This is the Thanksgiving special. And we open with our tiny hero pressing his face against the oven window watching the turkey cook. Then, an aproned Hawkeye comes over to shoo him away. And this is uh, Kate Bishop, by the way. And have I ever mentioned how... Uh, Moving on. At this point, Jeff is literally brokenhearted, but his spirit remains intact. You see, he will not be deterred. Unfortunately for him, however, he he doesn't have thumbs, so his attempts to open the oven are all in vain. Hawkeye Girl once again comes over to shoo our hero away. We jump to later on in the day, and it's dinner time. It's time to eat. Now the table is loaded up with heroes, some of whom I do not recognize one bit. Of those I do, we've got She-Hulk, Tony Stark, America, Hawkeye, that's the Clint Barton version. Have I mentioned how annoying? No. Uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah, both of them. Have I mentioned how annoying? Captain America, Captain Marvel, Nightcrawler, and Squirrel Girl. And uh, there are three characters here that I just can't place. I I think one of them might be Somnus. (laughs) I don't know. It really doesn't matter. So, it's dinner time. Hawkeye Girl comes out with the platter, and uh, I tell you what. This looks like it's going to be way too small a turkey to feed all these folks. I mean, I had about a dozen people over for Thanksgiving, and none of us are, you know, superhero size. And I still had a 25-pound turkey, so this one, pretty small. Though, we're about to discover it's going to be a moot point, because as Kate lifts the lid on this platter, we discover that the turkey has already been eaten by Jeff who kind of like squirms on the platter, makes some cute faces, and uh, opens his mouth to show that he has, you know, a bunch of turkey bones in there. And that's where we leave it. But, hey, we're going to get cinematic now. You know, we have our credits, and then we have a post credit sequence. Don't you feel cool saying that? Oh, man, I feel so cool saying that. And this is where we get our good news and bad news. Now, the good news is that Jeff will be coming back with It's More Jeff. So I guess we have to... I guess we have to relaunch even these books? I don't know. Now the bad news is, we gotta wait until sometime during 2022 to get it. So that's bad news for, you know, a few reasons. Uh, First, we're not gonna get a Jeff Christmas special, which I gotta say I was looking forward to. And, uh, well, I've really been enjoying having Jeff as kind of a palate cleanser. (laughs) <laughs> to uh, chase down the often bitter taste of uh, X-Men uh, Unlimited. And part of me also wonders, like, how arduous a process it is to write a Jeff story. You know, I mean, 
it must be like really, really difficult to take that post-it note and spare like the eight to 10 seconds it takes to write out these stories. Yeah, I'm sure it's very taxing to write, you know, Jeff eats turkey, make it look cute. Or Jeff steals Captain America shield, make it look cute. Or Jeff wants to go swimming, make it look cute. It must be very difficult to do that. So I could definitely appreciate that we need to uh, take a few months off before bringing It's More Jeff back to the, uh, back to the fold here. But I think that's about all I have to say about the story. And yes, um, I do appreciate that it's quite the arduous process for me to say, uh, this is a cute book. <laughs> and I wish there were more of it each and every week. So uh, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there, and we will hop over to the mailbag here. We got a letter from Evan talking about Children of the Atom number six, a book I forgot, like, even came out. <laughs> it feels like such a long time ago. Uh, Evan says, I started writing this a while back, but really didn't have much to add. The series was hamstrung by timing and pacing issues, which may have been due to the COVID hiatus. It couldn't have been planned for only six issues. It might have made a nice subplot in New Mutants, like you said, but I'm thinking Ayala might not have been on that book when this story was initially being plotted. It might be a good landing spot for Carmen and some of the others, and uh, that Kota versus Headman showdown that probably nobody but me was looking forward to, <laughs> and even I'm not all that pumped about. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right because Children of the Atom was, uh, was pitched very, very early in the... Uh, in the Hox Pox Docs uh, timeline, relatively speaking, I want to say it started popping up in the solicits just a few months in, like like two or three months in. It was pretty, pretty quick. And then ultimately it didn't come out until, well, until it came out, at which point Ayala was on New Mutants, but uh, they certainly weren't back pre-X uh, of Tens. Now, I can't even begin to speculate on what the original... You know, mission statement for uh, Children of the Atom was going into it here because, I mean, if it was going to be the same exact thing, that's just like bad storytelling. And I mean, that's nothing against Ayala, that's just bad pacing. You know, uh, we've got six issues where we basically met the team, and that's it. This was nothing more than a meet and greet, which, I mean, it's unfortunate and it feels kind of like we wasted time effort and, and money. And if you've ever heard me talk about the concept of letting go of the opus, um, this book may have needed it more than any that we've covered on this program to this point, because it's cool to have a story you want to tell, right? It's cool to have characters you want to introduce. It's cool to have a personal mission statement. But you also have to acknowledge the realities of comics publication, the retail market, and uh, the amount of expendable income and interest that a readership can put toward your, your concept and your idea. This is an idea that often hits me when a book gets canceled and we get those, you know, those truncation issues, right? We talk about those fairly often, right? Uh, as often as we, we need to on this program, where... Yeah, the end is definitely, you know, we're zeroing in on the end, right, of a story, of a volume, of a series, and then all of a sudden, like, everything the writer wanted to cram into the story that was going to take a year to get to suddenly starts falling into place. And we start to realize, like, okay, <laughs> this is a bit much. The pacing is all over the place, especially when we spent, you know, the prior six issues uh, 
having a cup of coffee with the characters and not really doing anything. Then all of a sudden we, you know, zero to 60, bada bing, bada boom, everything happens. And it makes for a very uneven and an unsatisfying read, and it makes all of the potentially interesting concepts that the creator is trying to introduce feel, I don't know, just like an also-ran, right? Very underwhelming, kind of just like checking checking boxes off of a list. It's like, okay, well, we want to make sure that we have this, 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 and this, and it's just there. And I get it. I mean, there are no guarantees in comics publication. You may never get another opportunity to tell these stories that you have devoted so much of your time and your energy into, and they may not be transferable into, like, a creator-owned project. Because, I mean, we've certainly seen story elements and concepts repurposed from a mainstream book into a creator-owned book, but a book like Children of the Atom may not be quite so easy to transfer. You know, with all the in-universe predications, right? Uh, This has to be what it is. We have obsessive mutant fans dressing up like the mutants. One of them turns out to be a mutant. This really can only happen here. So what could they have done to make this a little less, uh, well, what it turned out to be? This might sound hypocritical, but I feel like the answer may lie in the the farm formula, (laughs) if you remember uh, very early on. In our New Mutants coverage where we had the Hickman story about, uh, you know, the original New Mutants in space. And that got interrupted by that weird farm story with armor and beak and drunk boom boom, right? And we went back and forth between those two stories. And when that happened and when we went through that, I wasn't a big fan of that. I thought it was very disjointed, but... I tell you what, I think I'd prefer it that way rather than launching a whole other miniseries to do this farm story. I don't know that I would have had a problem with, you know, get, considering the alternative here, just putting Children of the Atom in with the New Mutants title. You know, go back and forth, have a Children of the Atom story, have the New Mutants story, the Wild Hunt story, and, you know, kind of go back and forth, maybe even go bi-weekly for the duration of the uh, Children of the Atom story. I don't know, is that a perfect answer? Probably not. Uh, And I think a lot of this has to do with the COVID hiatus. Just, it was a snake bit story that, I don't know, maybe Marvel already paid for and decided we're going to get something out of this. (laughs) So let's launch a new number one and uh, hope for the best. But at least at present, it just feels like we wasted some time. Of course, we got Carmen, but where has she been? What has she been up to? I don't know. Uh, Evan continues, back to Evan's mail, because uh, before that tangent, we were reading Evan's letter. He says, But I do take issue with you not even mentioning the single most important contribution of Children of the Atom to the Hox, Pox, Dox, Rocks, Box, Fox era, the return of Maggot. And Maggot even appeared on a cover. And, uh, like, take 15 of trying to say this sentence, the Maggot Magma... Hmm, maggot Magma Romance... <laughs> Which Evan admits, uh, maybe maybe he made that one up. But uh, yeah, seeing Maggot back was pretty interesting. And I like the fact that it was, you know, the big bulky Maggot rather than the uh, far less comic booky late, late 90s version where, you know, we were way too smart and too cool for like big, you know, hulking characters at that point. We needed... We need something different. Uh, Evan wraps up with, I would say until we get the X-Lives and X-Deaths of Maggot make mine X-Lives, but there's no way I would leave if that happened. And, you know, I think there's a fanfic opportunity there. I think we could do the X-Lives of Eni 
and the X deaths of Mini, right? We could bring Magma in there. We can have that romance happen. I think, uh, I think that'd be a good time for all of us, wouldn't it? <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for writing in on uh, on Children of the Atom. A like I said, a story that I almost forgot even happened. Evan. <laughs> and of course, I hope you had a wonderful holiday weekend. Now that is the mailbag here. Let's hop into the shoutouts department, and we've got. Uh, well, we've got a longer-than-usual shout-outs uh, department here because, as I mentioned, uh, the last time I recorded was Wednesday. So we got some build-up here. Now, this is, of course, thanking the folks on social media who uh, took the time to engage with, uh, you know, the posts, the tweets, the statuses, the whatever we call it on the various social networks here. So on Twitter, I want to like to thank Andrew in Belfast, Ed Moore, Jeremiah, 21st Century Boys, Joe Crawford, Dave Schultz, Jason Colby, Chris Lydon, Pat Sampson, Mark Jagger, Longbox Crusade, Billy D, Al Sedano, Jacob Jones, Bill It's By Vinyl, Jesse D. Young, Chris Bailey, Brian Trevitt, Jody Yurden, Radioactive Dinosaur, and Pixali the Colorful. And I tell you what, it's been a while since I've heard from uh, Brian Trevitt. Uh, that's a, certainly a blast from the past, from the old uh, Weird Science days. So thank you so much, uh, Brian and everybody. Uh, over on Facebook, I'd like to thank Andrew Franklin, Jeremiah, Al Sedano, Joe Crawford, Billy D, Pat Sampson, Walt Neeland, Chris Bailey, Jesse D. Young, Professor Allen, Corbin Owens, John Paul Thibodeau-Scott, Aaron Moss, Tom Panarese, and Gene Hendricks. Now, on Instagram, we actually got a little bit of traction here. I'd like to thank Aiden Pierce, Russ, Mark Jagger, Rebel Hamza, Dayspring over at Power of X-Men, Nerd X Core, The Positive Fan, Adrian Victor Lucena, Mona Lisa 240, Electro, Max Ellum, Shingamer 212, Dalek, The Ex-Wife Podcast, X-Men Revisited, Rob G, Pepe de Brazil, John G. McGrath, Arison Jardim, and Sergio Rubio. Thank you all so much for taking the time to engage and uh, click those little icons. It really, really does mean a lot to me. It probably means too much to me, to be completely honest. And that engagement had to do with both uh, X-lapsed programming and web-lapsed programming. So, um, like I said at the start of the show, I was pretty surprised at the the nice reception to web-lapsed. I wasn't quite sure how it was going to I was going to go. <laughs> you know, anytime I try something new, I get a little bit uh, trepidatious and uh, wonder if I'm doing something wrong. You know, I, I impose these rules on myself, as you guys probably know by now if you've been listening for any length of time. So i got to become a little bit looser with that sort of thing and uh, just, you know, be positive and hope for the best because, hey, you know, it's all about having a good time. And I know I am, and I hope you all are as well. Now let's hop over to the patrons at patreon.com slash xlapse so I can thank the wonderful supporters over there. Andrew Franklin, Ed Moore, Walt Nealon, Jeremiah, Jason Colby, The Scary Stuff Podcast, Jesse DeYoung, Damian, Peter McPherson, Mark Jagger, Herman, and Andrew in Belfast. Thank you all so much for your support. And now that the holiday is behind us, uh, things will be getting back to normal and a bit more productive over there. Uh, thing with the holiday, I kind of had to double up on some... You know, main feed stuff so I could, you know, take a couple days to celebrate. So uh, that's out of the way, and uh, we will be doing more uh, point ones over there. I got another Sales of X piece cooking. Uh, I got some more scripts on their way. It's uh, a lot of stuff going to be popping up over there. Got a uh, an Action Comics Daily uh, appendix that's, uh, that should be coming out pretty soon, so stay tuned over there. It's, uh, like I said, a lot of stuff. I'm even in talks with a pal of mine to do, I don't know if it'll be a one-shot over at the Patreon or if it'll just be a every-so-often sort of thing, but uh, something that I'm calling Smash Lapsed. 
because uh, me and my buddy have been Hulk lapsed for quite a while. <laughs> I I haven't read Hulk since uh, Amadeus Cho took over the whole. Uh, what was it totally awesome Hulk or the tubular Hulk or something like that? I haven't read since then, and uh, my buddy stopped early on in the Immortal run. So we've both got the new uh, Donny Coates, Donny Cates, however you say his name. Uh, we got that volume ordered, so we might take a look at that and uh, record our thoughts over for the Patreon. I think that'll be a pretty good time. Uh, now, before we get out of here, let's take a look, since this is a Monday episode, at This Week in X. Now, on Marvel Unlimited, we have three books... Well, two and a half books, I should say. We got Cable Reloaded, number one. We got Wolverine, number 15. And we got Marvel's Voices Identity, which I just now realized that DCBS never sent me. (laughs) I know I ordered it, but I never got it. And I completely forgot about it, so didn't do a show on it. Now it'll be on Unlimited as of, well, as of right now, actually. It's Monday, so it'll, it'll be there. Maybe we'll take a look at it. Maybe I'll cover it on an episode uh, in the not-too-distant future here. And I don't got to go out and spend 10 bucks for it, so that's a good thing. And I I hope I didn't already pay 5 bucks for it at DCBS. I'll have to... I'm going to have to check my, uh, my past orders here to make sure that I was not charged for something I didn't get. Uh, now, on shelves this Wednesday, we've got Marauders number 26, New Mutants number 23, The Trial of Magneto number 4, the penultimate issue of that... And Phoenix Song Echo Number 2, which prominently features the X-Men on the cover. So I'm guessing we will be devoting an entire episode to that. But, uh, well, I think that's going to do it for today. Um, Now, if anybody out there would like to get a hold of me, you could do so several different ways. You could find me on Twitter at Ace Comics. I'm on Instagram at 90sXmen. You can send an email to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com, or you can call into the X-Lapsed voicemail hotline at... 623-396-JERK For blog posts and show notes Chris is on InfiniteEarths.com Which I'm starting to make uh, look Halfway decent <laughs> I think I don't know I'm, I still have no idea what I'm doing And uh, for some reason this past weekend uh, WordPress has been Ungodly slow Like everything is taking forever To do so uh, Didn't quite get the uh, the amount of work done On the blog that I wanted to But It will be a work in progress, I suppose. Now, where was I? Yes, Facebook. You can find us on Facebook at 90s X-Men. Of course, the complete audio archives are available at chrisandreggie.podbean.com. You find that on any podcast aggregation thing. And one last time, the Patreon is patreon.com slash xlapsed. A lot of exclusive content and some behind-the-scenes stuff. So I think that's going to do it for today. I'd like to thank you all so much for uh, carrying me along in your pocket and bringing me with you on your daily tasks. And until next time, as always, I will be talking to you again real soon. See ya!